I feel like, uh, I was telling him last night, I feel like it's such a buildup and then you just get me at the end, which is, uh, it's kind of anticlimactic, huh? Disappointing. Um, anyways, hey, thank you guys for being here. Um, everyone doing okay? Awesome. Okay, good, good. Uh, we're doing our vision service today. If you've never been to one of these, I used to be extremely uh, nervous, intimidated about doing these. I was afraid that people would get bored and that they wouldn't like to come to these, and over the years, I've gotten to where I really look forward to doing these, and the reason why I look forward to doing these is we get to talk about what we're going to do our best to achieve this year, okay? And so the first time Josh and Jenny Brooker came to this church, they weren't married yet, uh, they came and the church was about 40 people. We had no music, and if you ever come to a next class, I tell the stories about the pot-smoking hippie musician guys that, you know, left our church. And anyways, um, so uh, we didn't have any music for a while. And I was doing a vision service, and the church was really, really small, and Josh and Jenny came, and I'm like, oh, here's this new couple that's never going to come back. And the reason why they actually came back is because it was the first time they had been to a church that was completely transparent about literally everything, all the finances, everything that was going to go on that year, everything was given to them. And so they thought that, that that was pretty refreshing. And we do this two times a year. Usually we're going through whole books of the Bible. We go through Daniel. We're almost done with Daniel. We're starting chapter 10 uh, this coming weekend, next weekend. But usually we're chapter by chapter, line by line in the Bible, but we take a break because if I'm going to ask you to trust us as a church, trust us as a staff, as a team, to trust us with your time, your energy, and, and even your money, if I'm going to ask you to do that, I feel like I need to give you every reason to trust us. So I'm going to show you literally everything about our church and everything we're going to do this year. And then after this, you can kind of gauge, is this where you need to land? Is this where you need to be? Or do you, do you need to find a different church home? And we're okay with that if you need to find a different church home. But we just want to be honest and transparent and, and, and just up front with you, okay? So I'm going to pray. You should have got a note sand out when you walked in. If you wanted to, like, take a nap for the next 40 minutes, theoretically you could do that because everything I'm going to say is in there. Don't do that. That's rude. But um, you could do that. <laughs> but uh, everything's, everything I say is going to be in there, so you can take that home and you can look it over. And, and again, you can ponder more or think or pray more about if this is where you need to be, okay? So I'm going to pray, and uh, we'll jump into this, and hopefully I won't bore you guys too bad, okay? All right. Lord Jesus, God, we love you. Thank you so much, Lord. For everyone, God, who gives up a chunk of their weekend, Lord, to come out here and to worship together and to, uh, to hear about what this church is doing, God, and ultimately just what you're doing through us. God, I just pray that you keep your hand on everyone in this room. Keep your hand on me. Lord, help me, God, to, to accurately... Uh, share what I feel like you've put on my heart, God, and, and I hope, Father, that, that people catch this vision, Lord, and that they get on this and that we can all move forward and advance your kingdom. Lord Jesus, we also want to pray for the vision of every other church in the city. God, ultimately, our vision is to advance your kingdom, and we pray for the bigger churches, the smaller churches, and, and everything in between, God, that you bless the pastors, that you bless the staff, that you bless the congregations, and help us, Lord God, to just do your will. Lord, we love you, and we lift you up, and we praise you. God, be with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so if we're going to talk about the church, this church in particular, we need to be clear on what the church is. Now, to find out what the church is, of course, the best place to go is the Word of God. So if you get into the Word of God, you see, not just in Revelation where I listed here, but all throughout the entire Bible, there is this analogy, this metaphor, if you will, of us being called the bride of God or the bride of Christ. So first and foremost, the church is really identified as only two things. The first one is we, is the, we are the bride of Jesus Christ. If you go in, especially into the book of Revelation, you see this consummation of the husband, Jesus, and the bride, his church, in chapters 19, uh, 20, 21, and 22, you really read about that at the end of the Bible. And then, of course, it also calls us in the Bible the body of God. So if you think about it metaphorically, you can't get any closer to a husband than his wife, you can't get any closer to the brain than the body. And so this is how we are compared. This shows the magnitude, the importance of what the church is. Now, it's also important to distinguish big C church and little C church. Big C church, capital C church, is all Christians on planet earth. We are the church. That is the people of God. We are supposed to be unified in theology, unified in our thoughts towards who Jesus Christ is. That's the church. And then there's the lowercase c, which is this. It's the place people go to worship together. That's the lowercase. So we are the church, and we go to church. 
The two differences in those two things. Now, of course, we know that the church is a group of people, but that does not take away from the importance of us gathering together. And we know that, again, because Scripture says so. In Hebrews 10, 25, it says, do not forsake this. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. This is important. And I hope throughout the rest of this that you see why this is important, that I can show that to you. So listen, as a good bride, if we're considered the bride of Christ, as a good bride, we not only represent our husband in a positive manner, we compliment him. What we mean by that is this, is that when we're with him, we need to make sure or, or, or our representation of him needs to be positive. So we can't see God. God is invisible to us right now. But right now, since Jesus ascended into heaven, the church is the visible representation of the invisible God. So we need to make sure that we protect God's reputation. We need to make sure that we live in such a way, act in such a way, love in such a way to where our husband has a good reputation on planet earth. So not only as a good bride do we act that way, but as a good body, we respond to the brain. The brain is God, and so God tells the body to do things, and we are to simply be obedient to the instruction of the brain. We are the hands and feet of God. We are the body of God. And so when we receive things through the word or through faith or through prayer or whatever, we are to act those things out and be obedient and put those things into action. So that's the big church for the most part. Now, about this church in particular, and I'm going to get into a lot more detail than this, but this church in particular, if you know nothing about us, here's a little crash course. Uh, we turned seven years old next month, February 15th. Um, we started the church in 2009 on February the 15th, so we'll turn seven years old. We are non-denominational. Some people say that, and some people are offended by that or whatever. We have no denominational affiliation. It's not that we don't love other denominations. It's not that we don't have fellowship with other churches. We do. We have lots, probably more than most churches, but we are a non-denominational church. We're also an extremely Bible-driven church. If you've been here for any length of time, like we believe heavily in the Bible, that it's an infallible book, and we read it, and we break it down, and we study it because that's how we get closer to God. That's how we know more about Him, so we're very Bible-driven. We're also debt-free. Now, to some of you, that means nothing. You don't care. But to others of you, that means a lot um, because you've come from churches that are massively in debt and they talk about money way too much. And I would rather talk about Jesus in church than money all the time. So we're a debt-free church. We owe no one any money. And all of the figures that I show you here in a second when we get into the fun part, finances, right? All of that is you. So all the benevolence we do, all the missions we do, all the things we do for the community, everything comes out of your pocket, literally. That's, that's where the money comes from. We're self-sustained. We're also, a, we're, we've become a big church in the last couple of years, but we do everything we can to remain simple. We don't do a lot of crazy stuff. We don't do a lot of new things. We don't have a bunch of like, you know, catchy sermon series coming out. We don't have, you know, all kinds of gimmicks. We're very, very simple. We're also a church with no membership. What that means is, is if you want to be here, you'll be here. And if you don't, that's Okay. We're okay with that. Like, if you hate Kyle's music, like, we'll send you to a church with different music style. Like, North Boulevard's a great church. They don't have music at all. You can go to, you can go to their church. They're like sister churches to us, so I can, I can tease them a little bit. But if, there's, if, if, our church is, if our church is not rambunctious enough for you, we'll send you to a church like Christian Life, Ron Karadoff, good man, more charismatic than us. We're fine with that as long as you're attending somewhere. But look, if you leave this church because you don't like me or someone else or whatever, you don't have to get a letter from me. You're an adult. You'll go to church where you want to go to church. So we don't do membership. Um, we're also a spirit-filled church. That doesn't mean that crazy tambourine lady is going to distract you. That doesn't mean that running around the church guy is going to distract you. That's not going to happen. We're spirit-filled. We believe in the gifts of the spirit. We believe in the miraculous. We believe in the supernatural. We also believe in order because God is a God of order, the Bible says. So we also believe in that, but we don't deny the power of the Holy Spirit. We're also a church that minors on minors and majors on majors. You guys hear me say this all the time because I believe very, very strongly in it. Um, we talk about the majors, we talk about the cross, we talk about repentance and baptism and the Holy Spirit, and we talk about the different things in the gospel, and we focus on those things, and those are heavy, immovable things. There's things, though, that are movable that we'll talk about, but we're not going to fight about. 
There are things like uh, predestination and free will and eternal security and Arminianism and Calvinism and all that stuff that sometimes is fun to talk about, but we're not going to fight about it because it's dumb. It's dumb to fight about that stuff. We're just going to focus on the cross. And I know some people want to fight, but we're not a church that fights. So maybe there's another church that wants to fight and you can go to church there. I don't know any churches that just like fighting, so I don't, I don't know where to send you if that's your thing. So, <laughs> well, there's that fighting church down the street. Um, so, <laughs> so now we, we have a little snippet of the big church. We have a little snippet of what our church is. Now, let me tell you what our role is. And again, we need to go back to the Bible to understand what the church is called to do. And Jesus makes this very, very clear. This is called the Great Commission. So when Jesus was ascending into heaven... The, the men and women that followed Jesus were there, his disciples were, were on earth, and he was ascending into heaven. And the last bit of instruction he gave them was this, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. And this is what he said. He said, go, he said, essentially to the church that was about to form, he said, go and do this. Go make disciples, baptize them, and teach them everything I've taught you. Pretty simple. Make disciples, baptize them, and continue to teach them everything I've taught you. Now, that's what we do. Now, how we do it gets a little bit more complicated, but Jesus addressed that as well. Earlier in the book of Matthew, someone walked up to Jesus and said, hey, what's the most important thing that we are called to do? And he said, well, that's easy. You love God with all your heart, your body, your heart, your soul, and your mind. And then he said, the second thing is similar to that. You are to love people, how? With all your body, your soul, and your mind. And so what the church is called to do is this. And a lot of churches, and I'm not trying to compare us to other churches, but a lot of churches in Christianity do a really, really good job with the red piece of this pie. They focus on the spiritual, they teach the word of God, they teach about deliverance, they teach about spiritual things, and that's good. But what's incomplete is Jesus told us to do more than that. He said, focus on the spiritual, but we're also to focus on the mental. So if people have mental health issues, if people struggle with depression and anxiety, if marriages are broken, whatever the case may be. So the way we deal with the, the green piece of that pie is, is we have two clinical counselors on staff, people that have a PhD level that can, that can deal with very, very uh, uh, difficult situations and can help people with their mental health because that's, we believe God has called us to address that. And then there's the physical part of it, the body. And that's why right now as we're teaching, we have 5,000 out in the park in the cold feeding people who don't have food, who give them hand warmers and who give them sleeping bags and help give them clothes. And that's why we have different organizations in town that we support that help people with their physical needs. That can also be people in this church if there's a single mother of five that can't pay our bills, that the church steps up and we help in those situations. Because Christ has called us to address the spiritual problems of our city, the mental problems of our city, and the physical needs of our city. And so we're aiming to do all those. And the way we strive to do that is through an extremely simple process. This is our vision. If you ever take communion on this side, you see it all the time. It's to walk people through the process of authentic worship, authentic community, and authentic community service. Again, it is so simple. And we just rip that off of the Great Commission. That's all we're doing. And so what we hope to do is we hope to put people into this process, into this cycle. And it's a little bit different than some, how some churches do it. A lot of churches are what we call event-driven. They do event after event after event after event. We do events here, but not very often. Instead of, instead of having events, we do processes. Let me give you an example. If you have, uh, if you have a marriage and, and you're, you're struggling in your marriage, we could have a two-day seminar so two out of the 365 days of the year, we have this two-day seminar and we're like, hey, here's all these great ideas. Here, your marriage is fixed, go. And that's it, this event. Now, I don't see that as the best way to addressing marital issues. Instead, if you have marital issues, let us plug you into a married life group that meets every single week all year. Let us plug you into a process to where people can walk with you. Let us find you good counseling. Let us find you accountability. Let us put you in this cycle, this process. And so it, it's not just two days a year. It's all year. It's all the time that this process is going on. We find that to be more effective. Okay, so that's what we strive to do. Now, I don't know if you know this or not. You're already a part of this cycle on some level because you're here this morning. So the first part of that is the authentic worship piece, and that's what we're doing right now. 
It's where we gather together, we worship together, we have verse-by-verse study, we take communion, we have response time. That's kind of like when you take your communion and maybe I have a challenge or a question and we pray about it. We have prayer up here, all that stuff, okay? You're already in that. The second stage to that is the small group system. Now, that can be life groups, which meet here on on campus, here on the grounds, right? They meet in different rooms here. This can be something I'm going to talk about here in a minute, home groups that actually meet in homes. This can be you getting involved in Echo, Eon, Encounter, Network, Emerge, all the different student ministries that we have. Or it can be community within the group of people you serve with. For instance, the ladies that that cook all the food for 5,000, I don't know if they do it anymore, but they used to. They would go cook at 5,000, serve at 9 o'clock, and then afterwards they would all go get coffee together. And that was their small group, essentially. That was their community, okay? So that happens a lot within serving teams as they kind of become their own community. The last stage that I hope to move everyone to eventually, at some point in your walk with God, you should move in to this last stage, is simply serving. That means contributing your time and energy either inside the church or outside the church. And by outside, that means if you're coming here and you're a young life leader, or if you work with crew, or you do um, camp, you know, if you do uh, some other kind of ministry outside of this church that's not even affiliated with it. We don't care. We're not territorial. We just want you to be serving other people and serving for the sake of the kingdom at some point in your walk with Christ. All of us are called to serve on some level eventually, okay? So let's get into the fun part. How do we do all this, right? Monetarily, how do we do all this? So our finances are a big deal to us, and let me tell you why it's a big deal. Not because we're money hungry, not because we're all getting super rich on this, and I'll show that to you in a second. Finances are important because of what it says in 1 Corinthians. It says, moreover, it's required that stewards be found faithful. Now look, you guys trust me literally with millions of dollars a year. And if you're going to trust me with that much money, and if you're going to trust me with that much responsibility, I need to be transparent and open and honest. Let me tell you something that disturbs me. I'm bothered by how many churches, especially really, really big churches, and you have no idea where that money goes. There's something problematic about that. So if I'm going to ask you for money, I better show you where that's going to go, and that's what I hope to do right now, okay? So our income for a church our size is actually pretty modest. Last year, we finished up 2015 running maybe about 1,900 people, okay? Now we're running probably 2,000, 2,100, somewhere in that, in that neighborhood, okay? I actually try not to look at those numbers very much. But for a church over 2,000, to have a $1.65 million budget, is not, is, it's not very big. Now, we have a couple of different factors that, that factor into that. A, we're only seven years old. B, we don't have any outside help. And C, we, we target a demographic of people um, that, that typically don't have a lot of money. And we're okay with that. We did it on purpose. But at the end of the last quarter of last year, the last three months, we averaged about $35,000-ish a week. And so what we do is we look at the last quarter of the year, and that's how we project our budget for the following year. Okay, we're averaging this for the last three months. That's what our budget will be for the following year, and I'll get to that here in a second. Right now, we currently have $530,000 in savings. Now, what that is is $330,000 of that is like an emergency fund. Any of you Dave Ramsey people in here, if all of you, God forbid, were to lose your jobs all 2,000 people to lose their jobs, this church can continue exactly, exactly like it does right now for three months. We have three months' worth of expenses ready to go, okay? Hopefully that won't happen. That'd be really, really bad. The other part of our savings is a build-out fund. And by build-out fund, we're, we're not doing a campaign. We're not gonna like make you sign pledge cards. That's just a waste of our time. We're not gonna do it. But what we're doing is we, we kind of aggressively save money. If there's any excess, we put it in savings and we pay for everything in cash. So everything that's happening on this other side in this build-out, we pay for in cash. So we just got a $15,000 bill for all the electrical work that's happening on the other side. We just, we pay for it in cash. We don't take out loans. We don't take out credit. We just, we just pay for it as we go. And so as we have the money, we do the things that we need to do. And I'll get to that here in a little bit too. So our budget for this year is this. It's, a, it's about $1.9 million projected. That's what we project. And of this $1.9 million, let me show you where every single dollar of that goes. Right now, $570,000 of that $1.9 goes towards full-time staff. 
So that's people who work at the church. Um, right now, that's about 30%. Of the, of the budget goes towards staff. We've budgeted out a little bit more than that, 702, in case the church grows rapidly and we have to hire some more people. So we've budgeted that out, and we may not spend it, but we may. We don't know. And so just to let you know that we're not getting rich off the money you give, the average salary of a, of a full-time employee that works here is $38,000 a year with no benefits. That means out of that comes your health insurance, comes your retirement, comes uh, your kids' college funds, whatever you want to do. We have no benefits at the church. And I'm not trying to, we're not trying to cry about it. We love what we're doing, but I just want to show you that to know like none of us are driving Maseratis, right? None of us are like just making buku bucks. The other 38,000 on there is childcare. What that is, is when you have life groups that you come to here at the church and you drop your kids off, not on the weekends, those are all volunteers, except for Patrick and Andy and, and maybe a couple others, but when, throughout the week when you drop your kids off, that is paid childcare, which means they all go through background checks, they're held to a very high standard, and um, there's a lot of accountability there, and we pay them hourly, and it's about $38,000 a year between all the different part-time uh, uh, childcare workers. Facilities and operations are things that are, we can't do anything about. What I mean is, that's rent, that's utilities, that's copying machine, which is ridiculously expensive. Copying machines, it's all the kind of stuff that just makes the office side of it and the facility side of it work, okay? And that's about 31% of our budget. Ministry costs are things like all the stuff that Echo needs. There's about 500 kids in Echo right now, little bitty kids in Echo. That's a lot of bananas every week, right? So I remember when people come here and they're just like, you serve them fresh fruit? And I'm like, yeah, we're just trying to be healthy. You know, so uh, uh, it's a lot of bananas. It's a lot of curriculum. Curriculum's extremely expensive. It's all the stuff that we need for Encounter. It's all the stuff we need for Echo. It's all the stuff we need for security. It's all the different ministry expenses, about uh, 11% of our budget. We budgeted out about 5% just to save. We'll probably save quite a bit more than that, but that's just what we've budgeted out. At the very minimum, we're going to save 5% of our, our entire income and put it in savings, okay? Now, the part that I like talking about in finances is this. Our church, at the minimum, gives away 20% of its income every single year. Now, my hopes are this, is that every year I can increase that by 2.5%. Now, this is lofty, lofty. I want to eventually get that up to 50%. Now, that's crazy, but so is God, right? So eventually, we're going to get it up to that level. So this year, we've budgeted out 20%, which is roughly about $380,000. And so everything that comes in, we take 20% of that, and we don't just drop it out of a helicopter, right? We don't like rent a helicopter. Here's $100 bills, Murfreesboro. That's not what we do. We pray about different organizations, and we, in, and we invest monetarily into those organizations. Let me give you an example. Uh, Portico, the one that you guys saw when it came up on the screen uh, at the beginning of service. One of the things that you guys got to do this year is you guys got to invest about $12,000 into that organization. And a lot of that money went to tip them over the scales to where they could purchase a mobile ultrasound unit. Now, that mobile ultrasound unit goes all around Rutherford County, and it goes into different neighborhoods, and it goes into different shopping centers. And what they do is they set up this, I've been, I've been in it, it's beautiful, this beautiful RV, and they put up a sign, and they say free ultrasounds. So women who have unexpected pregnancies can come in, and they can get a free ultrasound. And the reason why they do that, they have a nurse on board and everything, an RN. The reason why they do that is, is statistically, if a woman has an unwanted pregnancy and they see their baby on an ultrasound, 80% of the time, if they see their child, they will not get an abortion. So listen, instead of us like burning down abortion clinics and raging against stuff and posting hateful stuff on Facebook, we can invest in a free ultrasound and 80% of those women will not get an abortion because we've shown them love and grace, not hatred and malice. Seems like a pretty good way. So this church invests in that, right? It's good. Yeah, it's good. And so what's neat is that's where a lot of your money goes. It goes into things like Salvation Army. When the roof got ripped off of the Salvation Army here, I don't know if you guys know this, if it wasn't for this church, we gave them $5,000, and that was enough for them to pay all their employees while their roof was getting built. Five people were going to lose their jobs, and if it wasn't for this church, their, their job kept going. Now, that's not bragging on me. That's bragging on you. That's where your tithes and your offerings go. We give to a lot of great organizations in this church. Right now, we're feeding probably 150 people in the park that your tithes paid for that food right now. Not just that, we support three churches in New England, in Vermont, in Manchester, New Hampshire, and in uh, Salem, Massachusetts. 
I just got a message from the pastor of Salem, and they just got a building on the square in Salem, and their, their whole church was like, woohoo! They took a big video of it, and we are a part of that. We helped fund that, and that's awesome. So, yeah, that's great. We also help 13 countries around the world. There's churches in 13 countries that we also financially support. And in fact, we're about to send Dave Ashworth and uh, Patrick Black to Rwanda. Uh, They're going next week because they're going to do missions work uh, for Compassion International in Rwanda. So, like I said, all of that you pay for. That's you that does that. So we don't have any outside support. We don't go begging for money or any of that. And again, we're debt-free. And because, because we're debt-free, we can, and I don't mean this mean, we can outgive churches much, much bigger than us because we don't have a big mortgage. We're not $25 million in the hole. So we have free money that we can give to these organizations so they can get the help that they need. And we want to do that more and more and more. So that brings up this principle. I'm a believer in tithing. And if you don't know anything about tithing, that means that you give 10% of your income to the work of all the stuff we just talked about. Now look, I'm not going to guilt you into tithing, and I don't like talking about tithing in church. Right now, about 20 to 25% of our church gives on a regular basis, whether that be once a month or every week or every other week. It's about, it's, 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 it's about 20 to 25%. Now, all that stuff I just showed you, we do with 25% of the church giving. My thing is, what if 50% of the church gave? What could we do then? If 50% of this really rapidly growing church gave, we could give almost $900,000 away next year to different organizations like this and different church plants. And now the thing about that is I don't know who gives. And I do that on purpose. The only people on staff that knows who gives are Sarah, Sarah Pierce and Josh Brooker, and that's because they have to look at the financials and they send out those letters, but they don't tell me. The only people that I know gives or don't give at this church are staff members and the elders of this church, and that's it. That's it. Beyond that, I do not care to know if you give or not because it's between you and God, not you and me. I will tell you this, though. I started tithing when I was 23 years old. That was 13 years ago I started tithing, and I have never had excess, but I've never been without I've never been without. God has always been faithful. Now, is it a necessity? Do you have to do it? I think it's kind of like the baptism question. Do you have to do it is a really terrible way of approaching God. In the Old Testament, you did have to do it. It was a law, right? Go back and look at Malachi chapter three. It was a law. In the New Testament, though, Jesus kind of turns that on his ear. He's like, well, you kind of owe me everything. Sell all you have and give it to the poor. So whenever people are like, Corey, that's an Old Testament idea. I'm like, do you want to talk about the New Testament idea? Because we can go there. <laughs> Glad you guys thought that was funny. Anyways, uh, so we, <laughs> we talk about finances a lot, uh, or we don't talk about it a lot, but we take it very, very seriously. And look, just rubber meat in the road. I know it's a big commitment. If you're going to give 10%, if that's kind of like the, 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 the standard that you set, that's probably most of your biggest expenses besides your mortgage. That's a big deal. And so I understand that. I I empathize and sympathize with you, but I just want to ask you to honor God in your finances so we can do what we need to do as a church to get the gospel out. That's what it's about. Um, My salary doesn't go up if you tithe more, nor does anyone else's. Um, We don't live lavishly. If you've ever been to my office, it's pretty anticlimactic too, right? It's not super nice. So like none of us have anything fancy because of that. We just want to get the gospel out and we want to help our city more. Okay, fun stuff. Some things we're going to do in 2016, okay? We have a couple of things uh, uh, that we're trying to pull off. The first one that I'm super excited about is home groups. Dave already has about 10 groups lined up, but we're going to launch a lot more than that. Now, here's what we're going to do with it. We're going to take the book of Matthew, the book of Romans, and our Coexist series, if you guys remember that. And so we're going to take those and we're going to put them on DVD. They're not for sale. We're going to give them to people. But there's a catch to that. It's got, um, this is like half of the book of Matthew, It says on here, that's a six-month commitment. Now, Romans is about a four-month commitment. The coexist is a one-month commitment. So you kind of have choices there. These are free, and then we'll give you all the notes. So all the notes that you got when you came in during Matthew, Romans, and coexist, we'll give you all those too, hard copies and PDFs. The catch is this. If you take one of these and you sign up and you go to the meeting where Dave is going to kind of like, you know, cast the vision of this, The commitment is you have to show this in your house every week for however many months is on here. 
and you just invite your neighbors. And what we're, what we're going to do is put together a map. And let's say you live in the north side of town. Let's say you live in, uh, in Regency Park. So you live in Regency Park, and so we're going to put on a map. So-and-so lives in Regency Park on the north side of town. If you're in those neighborhoods, they're showing the Book of Romans. If you're in this neighborhood, they're showing the Book of Matthew. Now look, I'm not trying to scare you guys or sound like a wacko, but if the government were to shut down the church tomorrow, and if we had all these available, let's say we give you all three of them, you'll have the gospel, you'll have a good book on doctrine, and you'll have a good study on universalism and Christianity. And if we need to start 200 home churches... Here you go. Knock yourself out. So we can do that. And we're setting that up. And Kyle has been working hard on this. And Dave's been working hard on this, putting this together. And I'm super excited about it, okay? Um, another thing we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to release a worship album. Now, people ask us why we put out books and why we're going to put out an album. In fact, the last worship song we sang today, Kyle, Kyle wrote that. Kyle and his team wrote that. The reason why we do that and think that's important is, A, we believe God was creative and he wants us to be creative. The other thing is we write songs because the Bible says sing a new song. So we just do. We write music and we put those things out and we try to be creative. And again, not, Kyle's not going to make any money from that. Um, and all the money we make from it will just go to other churches. Like the book, if you bought Authentic Pursuit, all the money we get from that is going to go into the churches in New England and that's it. Another thing we're going to do is we're going to start a mentor program. And this is going to be one-on-one -on -one mentorship, and it's going to be a big deal to us. We're close to finishing it up. It's not a very complicated process. This is it. Hopefully, when people get baptized, or if you're a new believer in here, we hope to plug you into Experience University, at least the first class, which is called Basics. It's just basic theology, basic Christianity. It's four weeks. We want you to go to that. After that, you can either go to a life group or you can go to a one-on-one -on -one mentor, which is awesome have someone walk with you. We have a whole team of people, and if you want to be a mentor, we will put you through the process, and you can come out and be a one-on-one -on -one mentor, and we need those. We have a sign-up sheet for it out here, and we need that, okay? But once they go through this process, you can eventually become a mentor once you've gone through this, and you go back, and then you start mentoring new believers. Just this cycle. Real, real, simple discipleship, and we're going to really start making that push, not push, more of an encouragement to go through this process, okay? Another thing that we've decided to do is not buy this building yet. That goes back to the debt-free thing. I know in the world's economy, it makes a lot of sense to take out a $5 million mortgage and buy this building. Um, we're not going to do it. I prayed about it a lot, thought about it a lot, talked with, with very successful, influential people, what they thought about that, and we all kind of prayed about it and got together, and I just don't think it's what the Lord wants us to do. What we're going to do is we will purchase this building one day when we have $5 million in the bank and I can write a check and be like, it's ours. Um, and so people ask, when are we going to get the building? Uh, as soon as you guys want to get the building. <laughs> so um, I know that was, it's kind of passive aggressive. But anyways, uh, another thing we're going to do is, uh, if you're not familiar, we do a thing here called Pathways. It's a counseling. We have two counselors that are both very, very educated counselors, Aaron Strong and Carla Davis, and they're both wonderful. Uh, we have those two counselors. When we move over to the other side and we get a little bit more space, they're going to have a little bit more discreet of an area, and we've actually got a little bit more room for pathways to expand a little bit, and we're super excited about that. There's a lot of you in this room who've been helped by Aaron and Carla, and we hope to make that a bigger and bigger ministry. Also in 2016, the books we're going to cover, we're going to go into the book of Hebrews, which is going to be fun, and, and I'm a little intimidated by it. We're going to go into Philippians. We're going to do all of the Gospel of John, and we're going to do a series called Counterculture. Now, that's going to be about as controversial as that Coexist series. It's going to be different. Um, we're going to talk about abortion. We're going to talk about gender and sexuality, and we're going to talk about the American dream. And uh, that'll be fun. Um, we're also going to release a devotional. Dave Ashworth has already written a 365-day devotional, and so we're going to put that in book form sometime this year and, and make that available for you guys. I uh, thought that was going to, that's going to be pretty cool. We're also going to do a huge focus on our neighborhoods, these neighborhoods right out here. We have a lot of people that come to church from these neighborhoods. Um, these are nice neighborhoods. A lot of uh, elderly people live in these neighborhoods. Um, there's a lot of people who just who, who may have disabilities or handicaps that live in these neighborhoods and in these apartments. And we just want to make a harder, uh, a, a stronger push to reach out to them. We already do yard days. We do block parties. We do VBS. But we want to do more. We want to make a visible difference. We want you to drive down King's Highway and say, wow, it just, it just looks different. 
I don't know if you've noticed over the years since we've been doing stuff with them, that neighborhood has gotten better and better and better over the years. Uh, it has just cleaned up and people have taken ownership of their neighborhood and it's been really, really good. We want to do that more. We're also starting to just improve more and more and more on our student ministries. If you have a kid at this church, we do Echo and Eon and Emerge and Encounter and Network extremely well. We have unbelievable student ministries at this church, but we just want to keep improving it. And we want to work on the handoff. So how does someone go from Eon up into, uh, or I'm sorry, from Echo into Eon? How do they go from Eon into Encounter? And how do they go from Encounter into the network? We just want to work on that and get it better. But we have really good leadership there. If you don't know what Emerge is, that's a special needs ministry that we do at the church. We have a buddy system. So if someone comes in and they have an autistic child or a child with physical disabilities that we have, people who are trained and qualified, most of them have degrees in special, uh, uh, special ed, and they're back there and they buddy up with them and they include them in all the things that we do back there, okay? So, all right. So let's talk about being the church. If we're going to achieve all these things, here's where I get preachy a little bit. We've got to change our thinking. The culture of church right now in North America is to come and consume, to sit back, let the professionals do it, right? And we'll sit back and we'll just kind of consume it and we'll see you next week. We need to change that. If you attend this church, you need to consider serving in the church or outside of the church. Jesus came not to be served, he says in Mark, but to serve. Jesus came as a servant. And if we're going to be Christ followers, we've got to adopt Christ's thinking. We must also raise up more leaders. Now listen, if you come up to me and say, hey, I'm a leader, it doesn't mean you're gonna get to teach next week up here. It means that we'll put you on a process and if you really feel like God has called you to be a leader, then submit yourself to the process and to leadership. We will put you through leadership training and we will release you to lead. I've lost, we've lost more people last year than we've ever lost, not in a bad way, in a good way. We've lost them to other countries. We've lost them to the other ministries. We've lost them to other churches hiring to do youth work and things like that. We've lost a lot of people, and that's exactly how we want to lose people. We need to raise up leaders, and if they feel the need to be sent out, we're going to send them out, but we need them here too. Just to give you an idea of how rapidly this church is growing, and I don't mean this boastfully on us, it's just a call that more of you need to step up to the plate in December of 2014, there was 1,100 people, and we have over 2,000 right now. Just in about 13 months, it's grown about 1,000 people. That's rapid, rapid growth, and we need people to step up to the plate. This year, 2016, will be whatever we allow God to make it. As long as we're good stewards with our facilities, our money, our talents, we'll see enormous uh, growth in the kingdom of God. But we also need to focus on personal growth. We can't expect, I said it last week, we can only spill what we contain, right? A glass can only spill what it contains. So if we're not letting God pour into us, there's no way we can go out into our city and pour Christ out. So listen, it's this simple. We have to attend, we have to study, we have to pray, we have to fast, and we have to serve. There's always a correlation, I've noticed. When people come into my office and it's like, my life is falling apart, there's typically a correlation between your church attendance and your life falling apart. I don't care what anyone says, you need the church community. You need to be in church. And if it's not this church, that's fine. You need a church home. You need a church home. And if you attend and if you study the word of God, and at this church, I feel like we make it easy. You know what I'm gonna teach next week. Daniel chapter 10, read it ahead of me. Do a little bit of study. Come in, and if you have any questions, I'll probably answer it with the notes that I give you. And so study the Word of God. Get into it. Pray. Pray. Listen, I would love to see more of you in the mornings when I come in at 7.30 to pray. I would love to see more of you. We open the doors at 6.30, and people stay till 9.30 and pray. But get this. If you come in after that, that room over there is always open. It doesn't matter what time of the day. If you want to come in and pray, we're not going to say no. Oh. It's office hours, get your prayer out of here. We're not gonna do that. If you wanna come into this room and pray, make yourself at home. If you wanna walk around the perimeter of the building, we've had people do that. If you wanna walk around inside and pray, it's a church, guys. Come pray. And so we have coffee made in the mornings, we have music, we have, it's, it's great. Pray. We also need people to fast. Jesus himself, the reason why we do a fast as a church every year is Jesus says some things only happen when you pray and you fast. And so we fast. We, we deny certain parts of us in order to focus more on Jesus, not to lose weight, not to cut. I'm fasting sugar. Like, that, that, fasting little Debbies is not really the point of fasting, right? So we fast so we can focus more on God. And we also need to serve, and we've talked about that. If we connect with God, we connect better with other people. 
Listen, we also need to keep an outward vision. What that means is this never needs to become a country club. That's not what it's intended to be. Of course, there are inward things we do, like we have the church picnic coming up in a couple of months. It's like, it's like rival gangs getting together, like, hey, I'm a 5 p.m. or I'm a 9 a.m. or, you know, like it's all the gangs get together for one day. But we do that and we do inwardly focused things like that. But our goal, our main focus is to spread the gospel to people who do not know who Jesus Christ is while also maturing as believers. Now look, we must see the big picture. We must see the big picture. We squabble over some of the dumbest things. We get offended so easy. We fight over some of the stupidest things. And the time that we're wasting fighting over dumb things, we're not advancing the kingdom of God. And it is not about my comforts. It's about his kingdom. It's not about my comforts. It's about his kingdom. It's about what he wants to do. So we must not lose our heart. We must remain gritty. We must remain raw. We must remain honest and transparent because that's what made this particular body of believers so great is our transparency, our honesty, our heart, our intensity. We must be evangelistic. Listen, we must fall in love with our city. I know most of you love God, but do you love your city? Do you love your city? Do you drive down the neighborhoods? Sometimes when I leave here on Saturday nights, it's about 10 o'clock, and I leave here and I see 12, 13-year-old girls walking down the street with their friends. No parents, no nothing, and it breaks my heart. I'm like, God, where are their parents? God, where are these girls going? What are they doing? And it breaks my heart to see my city like this. It breaks my heart to see so many people flying signs again. And it just breaks my heart. It breaks my heart to know how many people are sleeping out in the woods right now. It breaks my heart to know that prostitution is prevalent in our city. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. It breaks my heart. But what we're going to do, if we're going to infiltrate, if we're going to infiltrate, if we're going to speak into the lives of other people, we have to earn that right. What that means is this. I'm against tracks. You know what tracks are? Those people at the mall who are just like, hey, Jesus loves you. Here, take this. You're going to, you know, turn or burn. Take this. That kind of stuff. Do you know what the statistics are of people coming to church by receiving a tract? One in 10,000. Do you want to know the statistics of people coming to church if you sit down and have a cup of coffee with them? One in 10. See the difference? It's different when you know their name. It's different when you've asked them, where are you from? What do you do? What did you study in school? You married? Wow, tell me about your wife. Tell me about your husband. It's different when you have that conversation with them. You start to earn the right to speak into their lives. I've had multiple families leave this church because I've told this church that we need to reach out and love Muslim people. Isn't that crazy? I've told them that they need to go out and maybe the reason why more Muslims haven't had a saving revelation of who Jesus Christ is, is we don't talk to them. We don't love them. That amen came from a Muslim that's now a Christian. See what I'm saying? Now, Now listen, listen. I know it's scary. I know it's dangerous, and I know sometimes it seems ridiculous. When you read the Bible, you will see that it is dangerous and scary and kind of ridiculous. Because God is not a tame lion. God asks us to do things outside of our comfort zone. And he said things like this. Whenever I had this one family leave because I said that we should love Muslims, and I said, well, we're supposed to pray for those who persecute those and love those who hate us. Well, that's crazy. It's the words of Jesus. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. We have to earn the right to speak into these people's lives. We must also keep our focus clear. Listen, we don't have a bunch of shenanigans planned for you in 2016. We, you know, Santa Claus isn't going to jump out of a helicopter. We're not going to have, you know, like the Easter bunny, like, you know, like juggling on a unicycle. We're not going to have any of that stuff. We're not teaching Fifty Shades of Grace this year. We don't, we have no tricks up our sleeve. So it's not, <laughs> so it's, <laughs> It's not necessarily what we're going to do that's, grow the, that's going to grow the church. It's why we do what we do. And why we do all the things we do is because we love God and it's because we love our city. It's because we love the people around us. So we're not doing a whole lot of new stuff. We're not doing a lot of crazy shenanigans. I don't have any crazy sermon series for you. We're just going to teach the Bible. That's, that's crazy in our day and age. But it's why we do what we do. So what now? What now? Please be patient with me. There's 15 full-time staff members running a church of 2,000 plus. None of us have been to seminary. None of us have planted churches before. So be patient. And we're only seven years old. Corey, why don't you guys do this, 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 and this? Well, the church that does do that in town is 100 years old, and they don't even do it that well. 
So like, give us a little bit of grace. If you send me an email on a Sunday night after I've taught four services, like, give me 24 hours to respond. You know, I don't, I don't even have a personal assistant. I don't have anyone who like filters my emails. If you get an email from me, it's from me. Like, no one else does that. Be patient. If you call and you have an urgent request, know that there's probably 50 other people that have an urgent request. So God forbid you might have to talk to Josh Brooker, right? Or, uh, that was a joke. Josh is all right. You may have to talk to, to Carla or Aaron or Kyle or Patrick or Corey or Lori or Sarah, all people completely capable of ministering to you, all people completely capable. So be patient with us, please. Be gracious with us. We're still working out the kinks, still working out the bugs, all right? Also, I want you to ask you, and probably no church will ever ask you to do this, is this a good fit for you? Is this where you need to be? Ask, when you're taking communion, God, is this where you want me? Is this where you want me? And if, it, if it's not, I give you my word, it's okay. New Vision is a great church if you'd rather go that way. Uh, Pastor Allen at World Outreach, great teacher, go that way. North Boulevard, David Young, great teacher, go that way. City Church, right down the road, it's a younger, hipper church than us, go that way. Go, that's fine. All those, all those pastors are good men and those are good, healthy churches. And if that's, where you're, if that's where God's calling you, it's totally fine with us. Don't feel bad about it. But if this is your church, are you coming? Are you attending faithfully? Are you here? Are you here consistently? And if you are, are you moving into some kind of smaller group? If you have, have you prayed about serving? Have you prayed about, and you don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to, you, I'm not a theologian. You don't have to do that. You can make coffee. You can greet. If you can pass a background check, you can work with any of our student ministries. You can work in the parking lot. Parking lot. Uh, you can work in the parking lot team. You can work with 5,000. There's a lot of things you can do. Have you prayed about serving? If you have, have you prayed about leading? If God has given you the ability to lead, if God has called you to lead, and look, just to like let it be known out there, we don't care if you're a man, woman, black, white, whatever. We have women who go through our ministers and training program just like we have men go through it. So you don't have to be a man. Like if you're a woman and you feel like God has called you to lead, let us know. Let us know. But if you let us know, again, we're not going to let you teach next weekend, but we will put you in a leadership program. We will do that. If you're willing to go through the process, if you're willing to read the books and go to the meetings and do all things, we will disciple you and we will let you be a leader. But you have to let us know. We can't guess, right? The church is too big for that right now. You have to let us know. The big thing is this, guys. We have to understand that everything we talked about this morning is not to advance the experience community, it's not to advance Kyle's worship album or my book or none of that. That's not what it's about. All of it is about advancing the kingdom of God. All of it is about seeing people get baptized, seeing people make a profession of faith. Last year, we baptized about 300 people in this church and we had really good growth. That's a win. That's good for us. We're seeing the kingdom of God get bigger. That's what we wanna see. That's what we wanna see. It's all about that. And so I ask you, I'm going to ask you two questions. Are you willing to take the steps to see yourself, to see your friends, your families, your schools, your occupations, and your city change? Everyone talks about how much they want to see change, but posting stuff on Facebook doesn't change anything. Going out into your city and investing in people and serving people, that changes things. And so if you want to see these things change, you'll step up and you'll act on it. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to take those steps? And simply, are you willing to commit? If you will pray, if you'll attend, if you'll fast, if you'll study, and if you'll serve. If you'll do those five things, you will see God do amazing things in your life. You'll see God do amazing things in your family, in this church, in your city, in everything you touch. The Holy Spirit. But look, if we don't pour into ourselves, if we are not committed, it will never flow out of us. Guys, I don't know if any of you felt like this. 2015 was rough. And I feel extremely positive about 2016. I just feel like God is going to do phenomenal things. He's going to do phenomenal things. So, at the risk of sounding cheesy, this is what we invite you to be a part of. We won't beg you. We won't coerce you. I won't trick you. I won't make you sign pledge cards. I won't do any of that. But we invite you to be a part of what God's doing. God's doing great things.
Something else I wanted to tell you, I, I, I think most of you know, I scheduled, there's, there's three churches bigger than ours in Rutherford County. And in March, April, and May, I scheduled the pastors of those three churches to come and to give the vision for their church. And let me tell you why. I know some of you have gotten hurt in those churches. I know that some of that is uncomfortable. I know that. But here's the thing. As we move forward as a Christian movement, as Christianity, we've got to start linking arms with our brothers and sisters. So I'm going to bring those guys in, and they're going to cast the vision for their church. And if you're like, whoa, world outreach is much better than the experience, go. As long as you are staying plugged into God, and as long as you're hearing sound doctrine and sound theology, we just want to see the kingdom grow. I don't care if it's under this roof or another roof, but you need to be moving towards Christ. That's the point, to see sinners come to repentance. That's the point. That's the point. That's what we're doing, okay? Can I pray with you, please? Listen, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, we're about to take communion. Everyone is welcome to take communion. It's on the right and left. That represents the body and blood of Jesus Christ, right? So when we take that, we remember the sacrifice that Jesus has done. When you're remembering that sacrifice, the service that Jesus did for us, I want you to just pray and ask, God, what what do we need to do? Now, when you leave here, there's a bunch of tables set up on the outside in this hallway, and all it is is sign-up sheets, and you sign your name, and you sign your email address, and we will get a hold of you about getting involved in these different things we talked about. Pray, where does God want you to be? And please, just have enough courage to respond. I'm going to pray for you, and then you're welcome to help yourself to communion. There's also people up here to pray for you if you need prayer. But Lord Jesus, God, I love you. Father, there are people in this room who are called There are people in this room who are called to do great things, and I don't mean big things. God, greatness may come just for having a cup of coffee with someone that doesn't know who you are. Greatness may be a smile or a handshake, or it may be them going out of their way to to invite their neighbors over uh, to watch a, a series on DVD or whatever the case may be. But God, you have called everyone in this room to some level of service. Father, right now, I just pray that you encourage them If there's anyone in this room who doesn't know who you are, God, if they don't have a relationship with you, God, give them the courage to come up here to my left and have someone pray with them and talk with them for a minute. And God, as we take communion and we remember what your son has done for us, Lord Jesus, God, let us have an urgency in our heart and let us have a a conviction in our heart to go out and to serve our city, not for our glory, but for your glory, God, for your honor. Lord, we love you and we thank you and thank you for everything you've done at this church and thank you for everything you're going to do at this church, God, and through your people. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. You guys are welcome to help yourself to communion. There's people up here to pray for you if you need prayer.